Welcome to Trucker's Voices Podcast. Tonight, we have Cheryl Cummings of Operation Lifesaver from Minnesota. And our other guest is Scott Post. Y'all sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Truck-trailer combos are involved in 40% of collisions with trains, making it imperative that these drivers are educated properly on rail safety. Today, I am here with Scott Post. Scott has 45 years of professional driving experience. He was the 2019 Minnesota Truck Driver of the Year and Minnesota Trucking Association Five Axle State Champion. He has 2.7 million accident-free driving miles under his belt. Scott is here to share some safety tips and some advice about his personal experience as a professional driver. Thanks, Ellie. It's great to be here. One of the first things I would like to talk about is making sure that there is enough space for your tractor and trailer to occupy on the far side of the railroad crossing. If there is not enough space, you could end up with your trailer stranded across the railroad crossing. I remember a few years ago, I watched a tractor trailer pull up to an intersection, stoplight at a busy highway. There were railroad tracks running parallel to the highway, and the driver had pulled his tractor and half of his trailer through the intersection. Back half of his trailer was on the tracks. It was nighttime and a freight train was approaching from the passenger side of the vehicle. The crossing gate came down on top of the trailer and the driver had nowhere to go. They could not back up because there were cars behind the trailer and they could not pull forward because there was traffic on the busy highway. The freight train struck the trailer, tearing the rear two thirds of the trailer away and canned goods were scattered for a quarter of a mile at least down the tracks. The driver wasn't injured, but the conductor and the engineer had cuts and bruises on their face and glass in their eyes from cases of canned goods coming through the windshield of the lead locomotive. I thought to myself, what if this had been a situation that caused a derailment with railroad cars of hazardous materials or a passenger train? You as a professional driver will be held responsible for what happens. Therefore, it is very important that you're able to clear the tracks from any direction by at least 15 feet. Remember, it takes a train the length of at least 18 football fields or more than a mile to stop. If it doesn't fit, don't commit. Scott, can you share with us some other reasons why you might find yourself stuck on the tracks if you're not careful? Well, there could be too many cars between the tracks and the intersection, and then you would not have enough space for your whole tractor trailer to occupy, and you could end up with your tractor trailer stranded on the tracks. Another reason would be not having your landing gear fully retracted or having a trailer that's low clearance type of trailer where you might get hung up on the tracks. Another thing that's important for truck drivers to know is the weight, the length, and the stopping distance of their truck. Can you explain why that's so important? Well, it's very important because the heavier your load is, the heavier your gross weight, it's going to take you longer to stop. And so it's very important you are prepared to stop just like you would at any other intersection where you might have to stop. And making sure that you know the length of your vehicle so you know if you'll fit in a space where you're not stranded on the tracks. 
We also have Bill Krause, a professional truck driver of 38 years. He is America's road team captain and was the 2014 Minnesota Truck Driver of the Year. He has over 3 million accident-free driving miles, and he is here to talk about approaching crossings with multiple tracks. When approaching multiple tracks, please make sure the gates stay up before entering. There could be a train coming from the other direction. Remember, it takes 14 to 15 seconds from a dead stop for your tractor trailer to cross over the tracks. This reminds me of an incident I came in on my route years ago. This gentleman lived 100 yards from the tracks. He came home for lunch every day with his tractor trailer. He must have went over those tracks a hundred times with no problem. But on this day after lunch, he came up to the tracks and didn't look. And he was hit by the train and pushed a hundred yards down the tracks. He was pinned in the truck for over an hour. Five days later, he died of his injuries. In my mind, he got complacent, too comfortable with his surroundings. And he took things for granted and that cost him his life. So please remember when you come to a crossing, look both ways before you cross. It could cost you. And remember the most important thing, we all want you to get home to your family safe and sound at the end of the day. We talked about some general signs in the early video, but there are signs that are pertinent to truck drivers. Let's go over a few. Raised crossing sign. This sign lets you know you are approaching a raised crossing. This allows drivers to be aware that the crossing is elevated and that there is potential for a hang-up scenario to happen. This warning is very important for drop frames, not fully raising landing gear or other lowrider vehicles. Exempt signs. Exempt signs let drivers of commercial motor vehicles that have passengers or hazardous materials on board know that a stop is not required at that specific railroad crossing. You need to follow the guidance of your state and your employer when making the safety decision with this sign. We hope we provided you with information that will assist you while navigating railroad crossings safely. For more information, there are additional links on the website. If you would like a member of Minnesota Operation Lifesaver to speak in person to your organization, please reach out to mnoperationlifesaver at gmail.com. Well, hello, Cheryl. How are you tonight? I'm doing really great. How are you? I'm doing good. It's good to see you. Thank you for the video. Thanks to Bill and thanks to Scott. It was a great message to get out. So uh, welcome to Truckers Voices. Um, glad you're with us. And uh, we had a, a great first half, half guest. And I know that we're going to have a second great uh, guest on the second end of our uh, podcast here. So just tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, and what you do. So I am the executive director and the state coordinator for Minnesota Operation Lifesaver. Operation Lifesaver is um, a national program and also an international um, message 
We are members of our national office um, in DC, and we have we are actually celebrating 50 years of sharing a uh, rail safety message with uh, people across the country. Um, and I have been the director of the Minnesota program since uh, 2013. So um, about nine years yeah. I've been here um, and pretty excited and proud to be a part of an amazing group of people. Um, we have volunteers all across the state. Um, one of them we're gonna meet here this evening um, right. whose passion is just to help make their communities a safer place. Um, all people that have experiences or understand the value of respecting these large vehicles. Um, obviously, we're talking about trains, but you know, trucks and all sorts of vehicles that are on the roads that we share. Um, just so important to respect their size and their value to our communities. Okay, so tell me. Um what got you actually involved in Operation Lifesaver? Um, well, I am, I, I'm a passionate person in terms of just wanting to help. I'm a helpful person. I like to be involved with my community and with things I care about. And um, when I heard about Operation Lifesaver here, um, you know, I, I have friends and family who are in the railroad industry. And I was like, oh, I remember Operation Lifesaver coming to my school when I was a kid. Like, that's a fantastic program. And it made such a big impact on me personally as a child. Um, you know, I happened to go to a school where a, a fellow child in our school actually did lose their life um, to an incident with a train. And so, you know, that those visits really stuck with me and I knew how important they were um, to all of us to help prevent future tragedies. So I definitely jumped at that opportunity and nine years later, here I am. Okay. So, so going back, speaking to um, whenever a representative come to your school when you was a child, um, do you go out to the schools yourself now and promote it? Also, I do um, occasionally. Um, yeah. Obviously, I don't want to, you know, take any opportunities that our volunteers um, would want um, because that is really important to them. That makes, you know, some volunteers prefer to talk to children, some prefer to talk to adults, some prefer to speak to, you know, law enforcement. Um, we have programs that are designed for almost any demographic you can think of. Um, we have videos and programs for little, little kids. We have lots of programs uh, designed for driver's ed students, um, for professional drivers, and, you know, <clears throat> for, again, law enforcement, first responders, um, all people who really need to be able to do things in their life um, and be able to do them more safely when it comes to tracks and trains. Okay. All right. Um, I'm going to back off the mic here and steve i'm gonna let you um sure you got a question here also uh back several years ago there was a big campaign on getting all the railroad crossings marked with lights and and things of that nature crossing guards and all that is is that still a major uh goal uh the, the funding or is that coming about are we proceeding forward to that i guess i don't hear much about it anymore yeah, so the way that we look at safety and our mission 
is almost like a stool. So our mission, our component of that stool, our leg of that stool, if you will, is the safety component. So we want to make sure that we're providing the safety information for people so that they can make the safest decisions possible for themselves. Um, but we also partner with law enforcement and with engineering and communities because obviously communities and municipalities and road authorities are the people who often are the ones who install and maintain and pay for the signage um, equipment like you're talking about in terms of right. lights, gates, um, bells and whistles, things like that. Um, by federal law, all that a public railroad crossing that is required is to have the white X that says railroad crossing, that is called a cross buck. And then they are required to have a blue and white sign. It's called the ENS sign. So the emergency notification system sign. So by law, that is all that is required at a public railroad crossing because those signs tell us that it is our responsibility to yield to any oncoming trains at that crossing. However, um, we also um, know that statistically more than half of the collisions that do occur at railroad crossings in this country actually do occur at crossings that are equipped with lights and gates and active warning devices. So that in and of itself is really um, the proof and the, the motive that we have for continuing our educational efforts. Because really, you can provide as many warnings as possible, but it's really still always up to us whether or not we're going to take those warnings seriously. Right, exactly. Just just like they talked about, right. y'all talked about in the video, that if you've got a traffic light on the other side of the crossing, hold back. You know, I've I, I seen a video flying around on the internet now where a, a truck truck driver goes across and the train's coming. You know, mm-hmm. um, it's it seems like everybody's in a hurry. You see a lot of videos of the, like you said, the crossing guards. That's where the accidents happen because people go around the gates and try to get through it. Yeah. And for whatever reason, they get hung up or anything. But, uh, no, appreciate everything y'all do. Um, you know, in, in any way the trucking industry can get involved and, and help, that's what we're here for. You know, and that's that's what truck drivers love to do is help out. Yeah. Well, we we know that firsthand with some of the amazing people we have on our team, particularly Scott uh, and Bill as well, because they really uh, they bring a lot of heart to our organization, um, a lot of passion, and um, you know it was really the discussions we've had with some of these folks on our team that spurred this project on, um, because you know we mentioned, you know almost 40% of the collisions in our state involve um, people who are driving for a living. So large vehicles, delivery vehicles, um, trucks, that sort of thing. And, you know, they're just putting so many miles on the road and they're so important that we just felt like that was an audience that needed updated material in a easy to access format. And so that's where this whole video series was born. Okay. 
So, so the the one that's not the only video that you're putting out now. So you got other videos besides that one also. So, yes. they're, so they're all like you said, they're all geared to different demographics, correct? The video series in particular that we just released um, is currently it's a four part series. We do hope that someday we will be able to add to it in the next year or two. Um, but currently it starts out as um, there's an introduction video um, that talks a little bit about our safety message and why our safety message is so important for people who drive vehicles for a living. Um, the second video talks about some of the key safety tips for anybody that drives for a living because we really thought, you know, the larger vehicles, those truck drivers, they're such an important audience. But especially during the pandemic, so many more people are getting into that industry. Um, and so many more people are doing other auxiliary um, jobs as well. So they're, you know, driving smaller delivery vehicles to get from point A to point B, or they're driving their own personal vehicles to deliver products and goods right. from stores and things like that. So we really wanted to be able to be as inclusive as possible for all of those drivers. Um, and then we have a video that features um, Captain Olson uh, from the State Patrol here in Minnesota, who helped to talk about some of the signs and the signals that we need to know about in terms of driving safely around tracks and trains. And then we have the video that features Scott and um, Bill as well to reach out to those truck drivers specifically. Just as Bill mentioned, you know, our mission is really to make sure that everybody makes it home safe every day. Right, right. Okay, so um, right now um, I'm going to bring Scott in here. Uh, Scott's got some um, some um, slides that he sent to me, and so I'll put them up also, and we can speak to those, and we can just get Scott's perspective on all this. So I'm going to bring Scott Post in, everybody. Welcome, Scott. Good evening. How you doing, Scott? Hi, Cheryl. Hi, I'm Steve. Buddy. Hi, I'm Tim. Buddy. Hey. Good to be here. Good to see you. Good to see you. Well, Scott, um, tell us a little bit about, um, you know, your 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 position there with Operation uh, Lifesaver or your volunteerism, I guess. Is that is that a word, volunteerism? I don't know if that's a word. It is not. now. It, it is. is now. <laughs> hey, let me tell you, let me tell you, us truck drivers, we can make up some words, okay? <laughs> So, Scott, go ahead and just tell us a little bit about what you do at Operation Lifesaver. Well, uh, I, I want to be helpful in any way possible. Um, different audiences, if we have uh, something going on, like we have a national train day down at the uh, depot, uh, we'll help work the uh, booth there. We have a table, and we'll talk to the audience and uh, different people. Uh, anybody that comes along and has a question for us or, We'll hand on the also volunteer a couple times a month during uh, November and December uh, the model train museum. It's called Night Trains. They have all these trains with lights on them, and it's a Christmas-type setting. And the kids come to see these trains in a night set, nighttime setting with uh, models of the uh, background of the Twin Cities. And uh, there's even some Lego train clubs that do this. And kids stop over at the booth, and we have a roulette wheel. We have them spin the wheel, and whatever number it lands on, 
we'll have them answer a safety question, uh, and then they can grab a keychain or a coloring book or something like that. Try to get them to be more aware of safety. Oh yeah. So I actually have some of the slides up here now, and I think on into the slideshow, I didn't know where you was going to bring that up at. I do think that there's some pictures of that. Um, Cheryl, it, tell us a little bit about this photo right here. Oh, this is one of my favorites, not the photo specifically, but the topic. <laughs> yep. um, so a number of years ago, Scott actually came to me and said in out in Florida, I believe, right, Scott? In Florida, yeah. they are they're doing this project where they're putting the C-Tracks Think Train logo. So little backstory, the C-Tracks Think Train logo was um, produced and then released um, in 2014, I believe. Uh, we wanted as a national program to be able to have something that was more recognizable and more um, something that just had more information. Uh, in a in a short amount of time for the public, um, Operation Lifesaver obviously is our uh, our legal name. It's what we believe in, but um, it's just something that isn't as readily obvious to people what what it is we do. So the C Tracks Think Train logo was released, and in Florida, at some point they had started doing um, they had started putting these on the sidewalks. And so Scott came to me and said, we really should do this. And I said, yes, that's fantastic. But it took us a couple of years to figure out a way to, um, to do it in a financially um, responsible way because their, their Florida program had been able to do it with some very large steel plates or something that I was not going to be able to procure. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the we finally found a sign um, maker that was able to produce those stencils for us and they have just been growing and growing. They're a huge hit. Um, and now other states are starting to do it as well. And we hope that other communities will continue to partner with us um, and we we bring our volunteers out and we put them on the sidewalks near the crossings because the reality is that a lot of people now, um, whether they're on foot or in car, are looking down at their phones. Um, and so these are a unique opportunity for us to catch those people that are walking um, before they make a decision that they might regret. Right, right. And that is a great, great idea. And I never thought about that. But yeah, uh, a lot of people are looking down at their phones while they're walking. I'm surprised people don't run into more stuff, you know, but <laughs> hey, they might see that yellow sign down there. And it's like, what is that? And then they'll and it'll remind them, hey, I'm fixing to cross over a railroad crossing here. So that is a great idea. So I commend you for uh, for doing that. Scott, uh, here's your table with your roulette wheel with the kids and all that. Do you want to speak to that? Um, yeah, we uh, we have the kids come up. It, it kind of almost uh, attracts the kids see the roulette wheel and they get fascinated and they they get it. They want to come over and spin it, and so they'll spin it and uh, land on a a number. And uh, we used to have a list of questions, but I usually just ask an age appropriate question. If it's a very uh, small child, maybe three to five years old, I'll ask them if it's a good idea to play on railroad tracks and. A lot of some will say no, and some will say yes. If they say yes, uh, you just want yourself a coloring book. Would you please go over this with your mom and dad with the sly fox and the birdie and the coloring book? And 
and uh, go over this. And uh, there's some videos on YouTube with this live fox and birdie to uh, stay away from the railroad tracks. I think a lot of times parents talk to kids about not playing in the, in the streets or uh, roadways, but I don't think they talk to the kids enough about not playing around railroad tracks or on the railroad tracks. And we're trying to get the kids and the parents to be aware of uh, that it's not a good idea to be playing around the railroad tracks. And if the kids are older, we explain to them that it's, uh, you know, it's actually trespassing and it's uh, not a good place to be. Uh, just like you wouldn't walk through a factory when you're on your way home or, um, and you should only cross the tracks at designated places. Uh, it might be safer to walk your bicycle across the tracks. Um, if a train stopped, it's not a good idea to, if you're in a hurry to get home to crawl underneath the train because it's blocking your sidewalk. Um, just, we ask them a lot of different questions depending on their age. So we'll have the, some of the older kids guess how many football fields it takes to, uh, uh, stop a train. Um, another one is that we'll, uh, uh, well, that's one of what we ask. We ask a few other questions. Uh, I so said, if they've, somebody's just gotten their driver's license, remind them to please, if they're coming up to a stoplight situation um, where there's uh, tracks and a stoplight, make sure that they're not stopped on the tracks waiting for traffic to clear. Because if the train comes, they can't go forward and they can't go backwards. And so they're they're a sitting duck. And make sure if they start over the tracks, make sure there's enough room for their car to fit on the other side. Um, a lot of different things that uh, we ask all stemming from the roulette wheel. Right, right. So you, you saw some of the pictures that I scrolled through there. So um, the last video, I mean, the last picture that I put up, it that was your mascots there, correct? Yes. Yeah. My so, truck mascots. Yeah. So name those mascots for us again. Oh, uh, we've got ST3, the C-Trax uh, Thick Train, uh, which is a smaller version of uh, – what Cheryl or one of the other people wear when we, um, they'll be up at our on Saturday morning, big mascot, but I take the little one along uh, for a message. I've got uh, Urban Smokey, uh, like Smokey Bear, he watches for smoking breaks or people doing uh, things along and we with kids on different things. I've got Sadie Duck with me that I was at. Okay. And I've got uh, also. Scott, I think. Oh, am I breaking up? Yeah, your internet connection was breaking up pretty good on our end here. So, um, but. I'm sorry. uh, No, we heard most of what you said, but it broke up on on the very end uh, there. But go ahead and finish. I think you're back with us now. And then I've got. and then, then besides SD3, one of the other ones, I have a cow, and she reminds people to move over when there's uh, uh, emergency vehicles or anybody on the shoulder of the road to keep them safe. Right, right. And so and those bet, are some of the mascots I have. And I bet the kids love that. I yep. bet that's a good way to engage the kids is through the mascots and all that. So that's that's a absolutely oh, great definitely. Stuff. Yeah. So I'm going to back off the microphone, Steve. Um, I know uh, we're coming up to the end of the show here, but I'm going to let you get one last question in there, Steve, and then we'll end the show. Um, But go ahead, Steve. I got one. I don't even know if anybody still does it. Uh, When we was a kid, we used to put 
pennies, dimes, nickels, quarters on the railroad tracks and get the train to run over them. Do you <laughs> have any kids ask that? Do you, do you have any kids ask about that? I mean, that's dangerous too. You know, they they want to sneak out there and do it when the train's coming so they can watch it. You know, but I, I just. I think we have a lot of adults that ask about that because they didn't as kids. Um, no, not me. But, but what we try really hard to educate the kids and the adults about <laughs> is that, right. you know, just, just being that close to the tracks is actually really dangerous and it's illegal um, right. because all railroad property is private property. And especially adults, you know, that kind of raises their eyebrows like, oh, because maybe they don't realize you know, like, oh, they think just like the road is public property and they can be on a road. But um, but railroad tracks are actually private property. Um, all tracks belong to, you know, a rail authority or a railroad or a community or something. And so it's, you know, not only are you trespassing, but it's also really dangerous. Um, and trains actually overhang the tracks by um, several feet on both sides. Um, and that doesn't even include if they have loose chains or hoses or oversized loads. So people think that they can get away in time. But the reality is that even if you're not on the tracks, you still could be close enough that you could get hurt um, by an oncoming train. Right. Well, Cheryl, thank you so much for coming on. It's been, it's been very informative. How can somebody, oh, hold on just a minute. I got something right here, and you tell me if this is correct or not. Uh, not that one. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I, I'm the producer and the editor and everything else. How about this one right here? That's correct. So if anybody wants to get in touch with you, that's a good way to get in touch with you, correct? Yep. But we're on all those uh, social platforms. And then from the video, um, our email is mnoperationlifesaver at gmail.com. Okay. All right. Well, what if somebody lives in another state, Cheryl? How would they get, if they wanted to volunteer in their state chapter, how would they do that? That's a fantastic question, Scott. Uh, we didn't really go over that, but there are chapters in nearly every state across the country. And you go to volunteer there by going to oli.org. And anybody can um, sign up to volunteer. We provide free training, and you can make an impact in your own communities as well. All right. Well, Scott, thank you for coming on tonight. Cheryl, thank you very much for coming on. And uh, if y'all will just hang tight just for a few minutes, uh, Steve and I, we're going to close the show out, and we'll talk to you just a few minutes on the other side after we're off air, okay? All right. It's really great to talk to you guys. Thanks so much. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Appreciate it. Well, Steve, it's been a great show tonight. Um, uh, you know, time flies when you're having fun. And um, man, I tell you what, uh, there's so much that I learned. Uh, everything from Kathy and Special Olympics and Cheryl and, you know, everything they do over there, Operation Lifesaver. I mean, I can I want to encourage any of you drivers out there that if you want to get involved with either one of these things that we talked about tonight, um, go back, look at the show where I put it up and, uh, you know, call them, get involved. And, uh, you know, both of these organizations uh, need volunteers, need volunteers. And uh, anyway, mm -hmm. but Steve, um, last words. 
Everyone be safe. Uh, if you get an opportunity, uh, like Tim just said, uh, throw that helping hand out there for uh, Special Olympics. Uh, you know, anything of that nature. Um, railroad tracks, hold back, hold back. It's it's not the time you save is the time that's going to be wasted if something goes wrong. So everyone be safe. Great show, Tim. Great show. Yep, yep. Great show tonight. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. And y'all remember, look out for those who aren't looking out for themselves because there's definitely a lot of people not looking out for themselves. See you next week uh, right here, same place, same time, uh, Facebook, YouTube, and uh, Apple Podcast, and uh, what's the other podcast? Google Podcast we're on. <laughs> so uh, there's so many platforms that we're on. So anyway, y'all check us out. Tell your friends about us, and we will see you next week. I believe in God our Father I believe in Christ the Son